In this week's episode, it's the return of Giselle's Yas assessment, and this time I assess the 1995 classic LGBTQ film Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. I also talk about France and their ban on conversion therapy in the Yas of the week, and finally Sierra talks about her trip again to Colorado and coming out to her family in this week's Sierra Says. This is episode 68 of the Cross Yas podcast. So, you guys ready to get things started? Yes, 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 Welcome to the Cross Yas podcast, the podcast that says yas to everything related to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender. I'm your host, Giselle Mirsal, cross-dresser, transgender individual, and master of procrastination, as I'm recording this super late because, you know, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Sorry. Go Blue! If you're looking for behind-the-scenes stuff on the podcast, check out the website www.crossyaspodcast.com or if you want more bonus content, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash crossyas. That's patreon.com backslash c-r-o-s-s-y-a-a-s. And finally, if you've got a story you want to share because it's cross-dressing, sexuality, or gender-related, or you just want to talk about something, and you're asking yourself, hmm, I wonder if I should tell my story. Well, you know me and you know the podcast. The answer to your question is allowed. Frickin'. Yes! Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com, tweet me at crossyas on Twitter, or DM me on Instagram at crossyaspodcast. I can't wait to hear from you. Halloween is upon us, 2020. A couple of days left till arguably the greatest holiday for cross-dressers and transgender people alike to be themselves. Hope you have your costumes ready, because I do. My costume for Halloween is... Yeah, I'm wearing scrubs. Because, well, uh, yeah, I have work. And not the costume-like scrubs. You know, the costume sexy scrubs that, you know, some nurses like to wear. Just uh, regular nurse scrubs. But it's all good because there aren't any parties and I can't really attend because, you know, COVID. So it's all good. It's all good. Since it's almost the end of the month, just a quick reminder, you can still support the podcast through Patreon to get bonus content. And if you check for the month of October, we have a digital print that my fiance Kirsten drew, as well as a cover of an empowerment song she chose. So help the podcast out by checking out patreon.com slash and consider chipping in a couple bucks our way. The special digital print this month says vote, as if your life depends on it, because, well, it does. And as for the empowerment song this month, Kirsten covers the 1993 song Creep by Radiohead, which may not be your song you typically associate with empowerment, but here's Kirsten on why she chose Creep as the empowerment song of the month for the month of October. I think, you know, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on here, but like I'm a sucker for music competition shows Mm -hmm. and like i love covers in general like watching youtube or like i'm a big fan of people who kind of make their own music do covers and like put their own spin on things so i've seen like so many versions of this song like especially for like america's got talent or like the voice they say oh why did i choose this song or on american idol whatever you know it's always coming from a person who who feels like they're not accepted or feels like they want to own up to who they are 
and that, you know, maybe people don't see them the way that they see themselves. Um, and so I think I, I feel like it's it's empowering in the way that it's it's owning up to to who you are and, and, and fully accepting the person that you are. I think it just so happens to be that they're talking about the word creep. And I think, you know, there I think there's a lot of interpretations of what this song means. And I think that's also the beauty of music is that you interpret it how you how you interpret it you know music is is for me that's that's why music speaks to me as opposed to dance or to art you know for some other people it's 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 dance or art or it's another form of you know something books um poetry but this speaks to me because the way i see it is that you know i yeah like i am a creep i am a weirdo but again that that in the way that a person who struggles with their gender identity, sometimes they see their their female selves or their male selves as being the person that they want to be or that they're envious of. But sometimes it's not about being one or the other. It's it's just about owning up to who you are. It's it's not always specific, you know, mm. it, it's it's both, you know, like you said that that he is what following a girl and he's like kind of like stalking her and then he sees himself in her or like how does she see him well he's envious of her because she's everything he will never be with the lyric you float like a feather in a beautiful world the vision evoked by a floating feather is of tranquility and peace Mm -hmm. the person he is talking about seems to go through life in this world blessed untouched by the messiness of his own world Mm -hmm. the person exists on another plane of existence one where they are very one where they are seemingly unaffected by the problems that weigh the singer down. They mm. simply float above it all. Mm. So I mean, I, I think if you take the the part of again, like it's how you interpret it. If you take mm-hmm. the part of being envious of of what she is, I think sometimes, especially for you, you know, sometimes you say that like you know, we we've talked about you as your guy self of not feeling attractive, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you are as Giselle, you feel attractive that way. And I feel like are parts of you envious of Giselle, even if you're mm-hmm. Giselle, right, right. you know? And I think it's about finding, you know, what you admire in both, you know? Or it's the same, you know? Giselle's not different from who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a lot, it could be a lot of things. And maybe some of you don't agree with me, which is fine too, because again, it's up to your interpretation like this is how this is I, I always feel super emotional or choked up when I see people perform this song and even singing that song because you're telling someone else you're so fucking special. Like how come it's so easy to tell someone that they're special, but how come I'm not special? You know, right. okay. but but it's like maybe this is my way of telling you guys or you all that you are special, you know, mm. Um, if you're struggling with that, but if you're not struggling with that, then hell yeah, like you own up to everything that you are and creep not being the bad thing, but creep being the the word for whatever it is that you are, right. you know, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. and also, you know, Halloween cre- creepy vibes. Yeah. I mean, that's the very small part of it, you know, uh, I, I like, you know, for these empowering songs, I want to pick something that's not corny. You know, um, like brave is a little I mean, that's kind of on the nose, you mm-hmm. know, but sometimes like w- what's empowering to someone might not be empowering to to all. Right. 
So, you know, appreciate any feedback um, of of whatever it is. If you want to hear a different song or what you guys think about this song, if you guys have any experience with like this song and what it means to you, I'd love to hear it. As for the rest of the episode, let's get right into the yes! of the week. So Kirsten and I started and finished a new show this past week on Netflix called Emily in Paris, which stars Lily Collins as Emily, who is a market consultant for a firm that just bought a France company. So she decides to move to Paris for her job. In Paris, she works with a fashion company and she wears some of the craziest outfits that I'll admit I too am jealous because I wish I could pull some of those outfits off. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. But while in Paris, I can't help but notice that she works in the fashion industry, and I presume there's got to be a lot of gay men in France. Gay men and women and everything in the gender spectrum and the sexuality spectrum. So I looked up statistics and the IFOP, which stands for, and I might fuck this up, but it's the Institut Francais d'Opinion Publique, which is an international polling and market research firm whose motto is Connection Creates Value. Anyways, based on a survey done in 2014 with about 10,000 respondents. The IFOP estimated that 90% of French people were heterosexual, 3% identified as bisexual, and 4% considered themselves homosexual. 2% say they have not embraced a definition for their sexuality, while 1% did not wish to respond. They also found that more women than men are heterosexual, 93% versus 86%, whereas more men than women identified as homosexual, 7% versus 1%, and to a lesser extent, bisexual, 4%, versus 2%. So imagine my surprise when I hear that France banned conversion therapy this past July. I was like, oh, I thought the United States was the only ones behind, which again, we still are, as only 20 states have some sort of conversion therapy ban, but hey, I'll take progress anywhere I can get it. I've talked about conversion therapy bans before, and if you haven't heard it, I don't mind repeating myself. Quick Search Online finds that conversion therapy is a pseudoscientific practice of attempting to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity using psychological or spiritual interventions. I talk about how they do absolutely nothing in terms of converting someone's gender, because, well, if you're a cross-dresser, you're trans, you're lesbian, you're gay, yeah, that shit's not changing anytime soon, no matter how much you try to do some psychological or spiritual intervention. So I'll repeat it again, conversion therapy doesn't work. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. I mean, I've talked about it a lot, on previous episodes, but look, I don't know what else to say, but for those other 30 states here in America and the rest of the world, if you aren't doing anything about banning conversion therapy, please get your act together. Please. Get your act together, we could be just fine. So bravo to France for recognizing that conversion therapy doesn't work, and my yas of the week goes to France for saying no to conversion therapy. And that was the... Yas! Of the week! But the main part of this episode, I assess the movie To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, in my segment entitled Giselle's Ya Assessment. And then stay tuned after that to hear Sierra talk about coming out to her family members in everyone's favorite segment, Sierra Says. I hope you enjoy the episode, everyone, and thanks for listening. I wouldn't be here without you, and I love you guys. Thanks and enjoy. And now it's time for Giselle's Yas Assessment. 
Alright, I haven't done one of these in a while, but also, this is just the second YA assessment I've done, so let's do a recap, shall we, and what goes into a Giselle's YA assessment? Yes! So what is a Giselle's YA assessment? Well, I, Giselle, hi guys, give you my critique of a TV show, movie, book, story, or some variation of pop culture representation that has a cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender theme or element. And for this week, celebrating the 25th anniversary of its release last month, I will talk about the film Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, directed by Biban Kidron. Here's a clip from the movie with Noxima Jackson talking to Miss Chichi Rodriguez, describing the differences between a transvestite, transsexual, and a drag queen. When a straight man puts on a dress and gets his sexual kicks, he is a transvestite. When a man is a woman trapped in a man's body and has the little operation, he is a transsexual. I know that. When a gay man has way too much fashion sense for one gender, he is a drag queen. Thank you. And when a tired little Latin boy puts on a dress, he is simply a boy in a dress. <laughs> now before I get into just that comment, I want to first talk about how I remember this movie. I remember watching this movie as a kid, and mind you, I was seven at the time when this movie came out, and I think I remember watching a lot of the reruns it would show on television. Because you remember when when we didn't have Hulu or Netflix or all these streaming services, you would actually have to wait for the movie that you wanted to watch as either a rerun on TV or you would rent it at like Blockbuster or your local video store. Well, I was probably nine or ten when this movie would come on, and I remember being quite intrigued at the idea of a man dressing like a woman. Even being that young, you know, like nine or ten, I found great allure in men dressing as women. Of course, I didn't know the difference between cross-dressing and drag and what a homosexual was or what a transsexual was and all the other jargon that a nine-year-old should not know, but this movie was probably one of my first introductions to cross-dressing on the big screen. I remember thinking, hmm, that seems like something I might be into, the whole cross-dressing aspect. So little did I know that it would be this movie and many television shows and movies around this time that would spark my interest into the world of cross-dressing. You, the cross yas listener, may have your own feelings about this movie, and if you do, I'd love to hear it. If you want to share your own thoughts about the film, you can email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com, because I'm sure you guys have so many other thoughts about this movie, and I'm sure that if you share them with me, I'm, I'd probably share it on the podcast, because I think other cross yas listeners might share the same sentiment. So a lot of other uh, listeners may have the same thoughts you have, so, so feel free to email me about your thoughts. But... If you haven't seen the movie Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything Julie Newmar yet, um, no worries. The movie is currently available on Netflix, at least for you United States viewers. Uh, I don't know about international viewing, but you can definitely check. Anyways, I watched the movie twice before I did this review, and I'll have to say it's quite different watching it as an adult than as a kid. And so with that, let's get right into my yas assessment. Yes, yas, yas. Now again, my rubric has three main criteria. Number one is identifying identity which I assess what is being represented to the audience in terms of cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender. My number two part of the rubric is positive, negative, or neutral. Is the portrayal of cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender seen as a positive, negative, or has no effect? Neutral. And finally, my number three and final part of my criteria is yas, or nah, where I, Giselle, tell you whether or not I recommend this movie or don't. So... For those of you who haven't seen the movie or have but forgot what the movie was about, here's a quick synopsis I found via IMDb. 
and it was written by user cinema underscore fan. Here it is. A Road Trip with Style and Panache, Two Drag Queens Noxima Jackson, played by Wesley Snipes, and Vita Bohem, played by Patrick Swayze, and newbie and wannabe drag queen Chichi Rodriguez, played by John Leguizamo, they travel across America for the drag queens finals in Hollywood. With a cheap second-hand Cadillac convertible for transport, it's fun and adventure all the way. That is, until the old banger conks out and they're stuck in the middle of nowhere in dusty and dry small-town backwater Snydersville. Hot on their tail, too, is homophobic racist Sheriff Dullard, played by Chris Penn, and he's mad as hell, and he's gonna get these men in dresses. With having to teach the young newbie the ways of becoming a fully-fledged queen, an angry sheriff, small-town blues, and the locals having to adjust to these new, strange, and colorful individuals, it all makes up for fun frolics and home truths from both sides of the fence. A ride on the open road and a chance meeting, this is more than just minds, friendships, and fate opening up in the unlikeliest of places. There are other great actors and cameos in this movie, including Robin Williams, Blythe Danner, and even star of RuPaul's Drag Race, Miss RuPaul herself. This movie has a lot of dated terms, ideologies, and I think it almost suggests that all gay people are drag queens. But even with these flaws, this movie is definitely a classic LGBTQ movie with some redeeming qualities. So let's get straight into my criteria, starting with identifying identity where, again, I try to assess what is trying to be shown in terms of cross-dressing, sexuality, or gender, and can the audience understand what is being portrayed on screen, and is it an accurate representation? So, what is being shown? Well, there's three drag queens, played by Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo, and they're all trying to display themselves as females. But, unlike most other stories or movies or television shows of men being dressed as women, Uh, I think these drag queens were never ashamed of their maleness, except for like a couple of scenes in the movie. But for the most part, they were as feminine as they wanted to be, despite being born male. Yes, they still tried to present as traditionally female, like they spoke in softer tones, they wore heels, and their faces were shaven. But all three drag queens were confident about who they were as males while wearing female attire. And they don't make any attempt to pretend that they were any different. Again, save for some scenes. So, Tu Wong Fu doesn't try for the tired trope you typically see in classic movies like Some Like It Hot, where the cross-dressing was a plot where they had to subdue their male selves. Because in this movie, Swayze, Snipes, and Leguizamo weren't pretending to be female because they were proud to be Vita, Noxima, and Chi-Chi, respectively. And I argue they were fabulous doing it. They just happened to be drag queens and were assumed by everyone else that they were female. Yes, you could argue that they shouldn't have deceived the people in Snydersville, and they should have been upfront and told the locals in the town of Snydersville that they were men dressed in drag, but they didn't. Because, at least to me, I think they took on their own characters and were living their own lives, even if that meant they were living as their drag queen personas. I mean, they also could have been upfront and told the locals that one of them was sexually assaulted by a police officer. But they didn't do that either, which I'm sure they didn't want to give away the fact that they were born as male. Besides, at the end of the movie, sorry spoiler alert, Carol Ann, played by Stockard Shanning, says that she knew Vita Bohem, played by Patrick Swayze, was a man when she first met him because of his Adam's apple. And even though Carol Ann knew Vita Bohem was a guy, she still considers Vita a friend. 
So the representation by Swayze, Snipes, and Leguizamo of Vita, Noxima, and Chichi is an accurate representation of what it means to be in drag, as they were performing, but I don't know if you can generalize that all gay men do drag when they put on a dress. Or as Noxima Jackson says, When a gay man has way too much fashion sense for one gender, he is a drag queen. Because I don't know if that's true. Just because you have tons of fashion sense for either gender doesn't make you a drag queen. It just makes you, you know, have fashion sense. That's all. Also, the three drag queens remain dressed as their female personas pretty much the entire movie, which is confusing because typically dressing in drag is done for performance or entertainment purposes, which you could argue the three drag queens might have been doing for the town of Snydersville, you know, just entertaining them, but also helping the town open up and be more free. So a person watching this movie in the 90s or even today might conflate that all drag queens are people who do have tons of fashion sense and are trying to perform all the time, which is not true at all. The same goes for gay people and how all gay people must be doing drag, which to clarify, just because you're gay doesn't mean you like doing drag, and just because you do drag doesn't mean you're gay. This is kind of demonstrated at the end of the movie, during the strawberry festival scene, where many of the what I assume to be cisgendered males do drag. And again, I don't think they're gay. I mean, they could be gender fluid, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're gay. So identifying identity can get kind of confusing in this movie as there are many things to look at, and the terminology back in 1995 wasn't, well, wasn't well understood as it is now. But let's just boil it down to the drag queens Vita Bohem, Noxima Jackson, and Chichi Rodriguez, who I presume were gay, even though there weren't any homosexual relationships going on in the movie, well, they had a gender identity of presenting as female when dressed in drag, and were putting on an act, if you will, to entertain and help the people in the town of Snydersville become a more cohesive town. Which brings us to the second part of my criteria, positive, negative, or neutral. Is the portrayal of cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender seen as positive, negative, or neutral? So for Tu Wong Fu, I'd argue that the portrayal of cross-dressing and portrayal of drag queens, I think is a neutral effect in the movie. Because no one in the town of Snydersville is treating them any differently because they're recognized as women. Yes, Vita, Noxima, and Chichi are helping entertain the town of Snydersville, but the cross-dressing and being drag queens, well, really, in my opinion, has no effect. As again, the town recognizes them as women. Even Chi-Chi gets into a little bit of a relationship with a man for a little bit of the movie, as the male in their relationship really has no idea Chi-Chi is born male. However, I can't say the same thing about the sexuality portion of the movie and the homophobia scene when Sheriff Dullard is first introduced into the movie. A lot of what Sheriff says and does and what he represents is, I think, true of a lot of things depicted in the 90s and prior to the 90s as well, about how the assumption that being gay and homosexual is seen as something wrong. Hell, some of what he represents is still kind of true today, which is kind of sad, as I think I assume some parts of the United States and maybe even the rest of the world still kind of believes that, believes the idea that how being gay is, is somehow not okay. When Vita Bohem is sexually assaulted and groped by Officer Dullard, played by Chris Penn, and then calls Vita just being a man in a dress, and then, then Sheriff Dullard does his investigation into finding where these homosexuals can be, and he looks at places like antique stores or ballet class, I think that whole thing is so weird. Like, he's conflating gays with drags and also cross-dressing with these things traditionally seen 
as not so masculine like ballet but it's also weird that in another scene noxima jackson grabs another guy literally by the balls who is being rude to some of the ladies which is a little bit of a hypocritical depiction of drag queens and gay people and also a strange and probably unnecessary one like are they making the assumption that all drag queens don't mind grabbing other men's scrotums in an event to show dominance so I know that was weird, but I argue that the homophobia and depiction of homosexuals and drag queens is mediocre at best in Tu Wong Fu, and that probably offers a negative portrayal of homosexuals, which would be, I don't know, maybe that's what the director is trying to do with this film, to show that homophobia is bad. But if the director is doing that, the movie doesn't do a great job of showing what else drag queens can do other than fashion and makeovers which they did do great makeovers of some of the women, but that only seemed to bring a little bit more of confidence and pizzazz to the town. But I don't know if there was, they brought much else. I don't know. But this brings me to the third and final criteria, uh, yas or na, where I say yas or na to a recommendation of Tu Wang Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. So I'm going to unenthusiastically give a very low, tiny, minuscule, controlled whisper of a yes to recommend this movie because yes this movie has its problems and depicts gay people and homophobia in ways that should never be repeated and i didn't even mention the lack of hiring homosexual men to star as the leads as patrick swayze wesley snipes and john leguizamo are all heterosexual men in real life i mean maybe maybe they have some different sexual orientations but i think they're known to be heterosexual men but despite all that, I'm going to go with nostalgia and say, yes, you should probably see this movie if you haven't already. Again, not a loud freaking yes, but a very mild-tempered whisper of a yes. Because I remember this movie growing up. And in the 90s, when there wasn't many big blockbuster movies like this one on the screen, which depicted cross-dressing in a positive shape or form. Remember everyone, people are so lucky to have vast amounts of resources available to them today with the help of the internet and they can search cross-dressing and find what it means to be a cross-dresser and they have access to tons of videos and podcasts like mine to understand what cross-dressing or what being transgender actually means but back in the 90s again young cross-dressers like myself yearn to see men dressed as women especially in positive roles and when movies like Tu Wong Fu showed up it was like Christmas morning because even despite the negative depictions of cross-dressing in this movie, it was movies like Tu Mong Fu that helped kids like myself and everyone else questioning what the fuck is wrong with them. Or at least, I think, it started the conversation that, hey, maybe some men just like to dress as women, even if it's just in drag. Because really, as a kid growing up in the 90s, all you wanted to see was cross-dressing in any shape or form normalized. Not cross-dressing as serial killers like the movie Psycho or Silence of the Lambs, or cross-dressing as comic relief like the Medea movies or Big Mama's House, but I think most cross-dressers and transgender people just want a sense of normalcy. Like today, we now know about the transgender umbrella and how cross-dressing fits under that umbrella. And with this movie, you saw those flashes of being a drag queen and how it was even in some senses normal. No one treated these drag queens different in the town of Snydersville and even when they knew they were men, they still treated them with respect. Well, not initially. They were treated like shit at first, which I'm sure biologically born women will tell you they feel treated differently anyways. But Vita, Noxima, and Chi-Chi, although women in drag, held their fucking own and eventually earned the respect of everyone in the town. 
Also, to see Patrick Swayze, you know, starve Ghost and Footloose, you know. Nobody puts baby in a corner. And fucking Wesley Snipes, star of Blade, the first black Marvel superhero who fucking killed vampires back in the 90s. And also the star of White Men Can't Jump. Him putting on a dress and, of course, the gorgeous Chichi Rodriguez, played by John Leguizamo, who I'll admit I had a crush on as a kid and maybe even ignited my interest in males presenting as feminine. But it was like, damn, they're normalizing wearing women's clothes. Like, that's what's really needed. That's what's needed in the world. Yes, the terminology back then was all wrong, and this movie has its flaws, but I still say you should probably see this movie. And therefore, I say, again, with a very mild yas, I recommend Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. And that's all I gotta say. That was this week's Giselle's yas assessment, and if you have your own comments and opinions, don't hesitate to tell me. Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com, tweet me, at crossyas, or DM me on Instagram at Cross Podcast. Can't wait to hear what you have to say, because I'm sure it's good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And it's now time for everyone's favorite segment, Sierra Says. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sierra Says. I hope you're all doing well and enjoying the fall so far. If you are here in the Northern Hemisphere, that means it's definitely getting a little bit cooler, which means a chance to put away those summer dresses and break out some really cute and cozy fall outfits, which I absolutely love. I've had a chance in particular to put some of those to use in the last week or so because I'm on my way back right now from visiting family in Colorado once again. And I wanted to share a little bit about this experience because this trip actually meant coming out to some family members and spending time around family as Sierra for the first time which has been a really exciting experience. And I wanted to share this with you just in case it can help even one of you who wants to come out find a way to do so in a way that works for you. Let me start by saying that there is no one right way of coming out, nor is it necessary at all to come out. You are perfectly valid as a transgender person or a crossdresser, whether you come out or not. And coming out can be a hugely significant process, but again, it's not required. You are valid being who you are, no matter whether you come out to others or not. That said, if you do come out, it's almost guaranteed to be a meaningful, transformative moment in your life or a series of moments, because oftentimes we end up coming out over and over and over again to different people in our lives. Whether certain people receive your coming out favorably or whether it creates challenges, it always marks a change. And that can be what is so exciting, but also so very intimidating about the process, because Once you open up that box, you know you can never really close it. And for better or for worse, your relationships with the people you do come out to will change from that moment going forward. Okay, so with all that said, now I'd like to get back to talking a little bit about my experience. Once again, this has just been an exciting opportunity to spend some time with my family, have them get to know Sierra, but also just spend some quality time as Sierra myself. On my way to visit my family, I spent a couple of days at a mountain resort where I brought only Sierra clothes up to my room and also spent some time driving some of my favorite four-wheel drive trails in the mountains. So it's been wonderful. And all of my time out on the open highway has been Sierra time, which I'm sure you know, it always just feels so good to be yourself. So that's been great. But really the most memorable and exciting part of this all has been spending some time with my family as Sierra. And that was my first time doing that. I had told my dad about my gender identity a little bit earlier. 
it was a challenging summer for me for many reasons. I mean, who hasn't this year been challenging for in many ways? But I was talking to my dad earlier this summer. He was asking me how I was doing. And I was saying that for the first time in a while, I was really excited because I have a lot of new friendships and a lot of friends who I find that I can draw a lot of comfort from and a lot of support from. He was asking me, well, how did you make new friends in a pandemic? And at that moment, I just decided it was the time to tell him that I had discovered this year that I am transgender and that I identify as gender fluid and that I've just made some of the most incredible friendships and really deep connections with other people within the transgender community and a little bit beyond. Even though coming out over the phone like that was not really what I had in mind, it didn't really fit my vision of it, I was instantly so glad that I did it because he was so supportive from the very beginning. I'll truly never forget what he said. He just said, that's amazing. I'm so glad you're telling me and I'm so glad you just feel comfortable being yourself and that you have a chance to express who you really are. I mean, how amazing is that? How much better of a reaction could you hope for from anyone? It truly is something that I'll never forget. And from that moment forward, I was just so looking forward to actually spending time with him as Sierra, talking about my gender identity more and helping him get to know a piece of me that I'm still getting to know as well, but has been there uh, ever since I've been a child, just as it is for most of us, I'm sure. One thing I've discovered over the last few months by sometimes honestly doing things in a way that's not ideal is the importance of trying to be empathetic and understand how jarring it can be or just how unfamiliar it can be to people that we're close to to tell them that we are transgender or cross-dress or whatever it might be. Of course, even people who are very supportive can sometimes have just a hard time understanding what that means and a hard time wrapping their minds around it. And that's not to say that it's necessary to hide anything, to sugarcoat anything, or, or not be honest, but I've just found that it can be really helpful all around to take a gradual or kind of measured approach to helping someone get to know an important part of your life. So when I did arrive to visit my dad, the first thing we did was just have many conversations, talking through the experience before I actually presented as Sierra. This was fine with me because I do feel privileged to feel comfortable going back and forth between my male identity and my identity as Sierra. I enjoy both, so it was no problem whatsoever to really spend some time in my guy mode, which my dad, of course, is much more familiar with, answering questions, talking through things on a really deep level, just to make sure that we have a mutual understanding and that before he would see me as Sierra, he would feel comfortable doing so. So we really spent a couple of days while we were hiking, while we were in the car, while we were just sitting around at home, talking things through. And I would say that this really demystified so much about my history of dealing with gender identity issues and helped him to understand what it means for me to be Sierra. It also gave my dad a lot of time to ask questions and gave me the time to explain the nuances of how I felt about my gender identity from a young age up through today. And finally, it gave me plenty of time to explain the labels that I use to identify myself because these terms are oftentimes very unfamiliar to us as we're discovering things, let alone people who don't spend a lot of time thinking about gender identity. I was able to explain, for example, why the labels of transgender and gender fluid feel really authentic to me, whereas the label cross-dresser, for me personally, doesn't fit so well. So all of this was just a great opportunity. And after taking that time, actually being Sierra around my dad felt so natural. 
One afternoon, we had gone out for a long hike. I started preparing a big traditional Romanian dinner to go along with some wine that I brought back from a trip earlier this year. And after that, after I put something in the oven, I just said, would you be okay meeting Sierra? He was very positive about that. So I got myself ready and it instantly felt so natural. We just kept going with our day and the same conversations we were having as if everything was normal because that's how it felt. And I really feel I have a strong sense that that's how it was for the both of us, not just for me. And altogether, I spent that day, another afternoon, and then some time around when I was leaving dressed as Sierra around my dad. And it was really special and really meaningful to share a huge piece of my life with him. And ultimately, the most significant thing in all of this, aside from just feeling that my father understands me better, is that talking so much about my gender identity just deepened our conversations in general and helped us to get to know one another better. He felt comfortable after everything sharing some things with me that he said he hasn't shared with many people before. And to have that deeper connection as a result of opening up and being vulnerable around a family member who I've always been very close to was something that I'll never forget and I'm just immensely thankful for. While visiting my family, I also did come out to a family member for the first time. I came out to my aunt, who I felt very close to for many years. I was so excited to tell her because I knew she would have a lot to say and a lot that I could learn from, really, because she came out as lesbian about 40 years ago at a time when LGB acceptance was a far cry from what it is today. So not only was I really excited to share such an important part of myself with her, but I knew that I had a lot to learn from her experiences and how right I was about that. As soon as I managed to slide coming out kind of awkwardly into our dinner conversation, she was just so accepting and started sharing her experiences and I had so much that I could learn from her. She said when I came out to her that she was surprised, but at the same time not surprised. And she said something that I don't think she had ever even told my dad before, which is that she thought I was gay when I was younger uh, because a lot of my mannerisms are actually pretty feminine or gender fluid. And I have to say, I actually really loved hearing that from an outside perspective. Though, like I was saying, coming out just opened up a great conversation. My aunt is a psychologist, a therapist who works with a lot of trans clients, and both through her experience uh, being out as a lesbian for about 40 years and working with a lot of trans people, she sees a lot of parallels and, and comparisons between the trans experience today and the experience she had when coming out about 40 years ago. She said that she sees acceptance for trans people today as being pretty similar to societal acceptance of LGB people, maybe at around the time she was coming out up through maybe 20 years ago. And we spent some time just talking about her experiences coming out and her experiences discovering who she was and, and how she had to negotiate that with people around her in society. There was a lot that I could draw inspiration from and a lot that I could learn from with that. And so that was, again, just an amazing experience. And I don't think I've ever felt closer to her or to my dad sharing this part of my life with them. That's, of course, not to say that I came out to everyone I visited. There are a couple of people who I just don't think I will come out to because it would needlessly complicate things when I do have a great relationship with them and I see them pretty infrequently anyway. So unfortunately, there are times when you just make strategic decisions. It might not be what you want, but you do have an instinct that it's what's for the best. Overall, the experience of visiting my family and coming out to a number of them 
and just being Sierra around my dad and, and around family left me feeling so loved and supported and even closer to my family than ever before. And who knew that this was even possible, but even prouder of being transgender. Of course, coming out stories are, as I mentioned earlier, not always this happy, but I did want to share my story with anyone who might be considering coming out to loved ones or even friends, just in the event that this might be in any way helpful. And that's how Sierra sees it. And finally, the miscellany. Yes! And that's all for this week's episode, where you first heard me talk about France and their ban on conversion therapy. You also heard me talk about Tuong Fu in this week's Giselle's Yeah assessment. And finally, you heard Sierra Says, where Sierra talked about coming out to her family. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Halloween is this Saturday. Again, check out our Patreon for bonus stuff, patreon.com slash We also still have a question of the month. What is your style? You guys still have a week left to answer. And then don't forget, we have the second part of my Curious conversation with Maria coming up on Saturday. So check that out. It's one you won't want to miss. And don't forget to vote. Please wash your hands. Stay six feet away from each other and get your flu shots. Also, continue to wear your mask. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. And as always, keep it fresh, stay blessed, and remember, you're gorgeous. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. 